It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Ignite your life with passion and purpose. Your health, your wealth, your happiness. Make it good. This is Modern Love with Dr. Brenda Wade. A big thank you to Rainbow Grocery, our favorite grocery store here in the San Francisco Bay Area, for being our sponsor, because a healthy body is a sexy body. Oh, yes, and talking about sexy bodies, everybody, tonight's show is one that is absolutely going to maybe turn you on. We're going to talk about exploring sexual fantasies with our special guest tonight, Christy Overstreet. And yes, it's S-E-X. It's a big topic. It's something that most of us think about, and certainly, with any luck at all, we're participating in. But why, oh why, is it that we don't often talk about sex and don't talk about it in a really well-educated, deep way so that we can actually learn more about this important part of our life. So that's what we're going to do tonight. Instead of it being swept under the sheets, so to speak, let's bring it out in the open. Now, I want you to just ask yourself, have you ever visualized a steamy scenario to get yourself sexually excited and turned on? Well, you're not the only one. But tonight's show is about how to get out of your head and open your heart about your most intimate fantasies. Christy Overstreet is a psychotherapist, a certified sex therapist that specializes in relationships and gender identity. She's been working with clients for the past decade to identify what changes are needed in their lives that will ultimately improve their relationships, get this, with themselves first and with others. Christy says not every fantasy needs to be acted on because some may have consequences that might affect your life in ways that you might not be interested in. Okay, and that differs from person to person. Only you can decide. But she's got a new book coming out called Fix Yourself First, 52 Tips to Stop Ruining Your Relationship. You can reach her at www.christy, that's K-R-I-S-T-I-E, Overstreet, just like it sounds, .com. All right, welcome to the show, Christy. How are you? Thanks so much for having me. I'm doing wonderful. Can't wait to talk about this topic. Oh, I'll bet. Well, we can't wait to hear about it because for most people, this is still a big taboo area. I can remember the first time I went on the Oprah Winfrey show, I called my mother 
And I said, Mom, call all the relatives. I'm throwing things in my suitcase right now. I'm flying out to do the Oprah show. You've got to call the relatives or they'll be upset. They'll, you know, they'll be mad at me if I don't tell them. She said, oh, God, that's so exciting. She said, what's this show about? I said, it's about women who hate sex. She said, women who hate what? She couldn't say the word sex. So let's mm-hmm. talk about sex, Christina. How did you get interested in being a sex therapist? And what does that mean, first of all? Well, coming from a very small town in South Georgia, we definitely didn't say the word sex. (laughs) So coming from a very religious family as well, I learned at a young age that there's just some things you're not supposed to talk about in in public and, and even in relationships. And what I found was my natural ability to talk about those difficult things. And when I started out as a therapist in every couple that I worked with and almost every individual that I worked with, there was a big struggle in talking about sex because it was so taboo. There was so much fear behind it for people to talk about it. And so I gravitated toward that, and I like a good challenge. And that really challenged me to work on my own stuff and find that comfort level so I could help and get training to help people to be able to talk about it more naturally and more comfortably. And bless your heart. You overcame all of those <laughs> religious taboos because I certainly heard from my Sunday school teacher things mm-hmm. like, uh, my, and she said this, honest to God, this is true. She said, I've been married 38 years, and my husband has never seen my naked body because that's mm-hmm. a sin. Mm-hmm. And, of course, as a little girl, I'm sitting there going, <gasps> oh, my God. <laughs> Better watch out for that. that right along with those patent leather shoes and they could see your panties. <laughs> oh, my God. So bless you. Now, how did you get comfortable talking about sex with all that religious stuff in your background? Well, I went through extensive training in my certification, which was really great, and the supervision to help me work through different cases. And what I found is that people, if they were in a, an environment where they felt they could trust me and it was open and non-judgmental place, and if I'd ask the questions, people would just start talking about it. And what we find is with most healthcare professionals, or you even think going to the doctor, they don't say, well, how is your sex life? Are you having any troubles or difficulties? So just by asking clients, hey, how are you, how are you feeling about sex? Is it increasing? Is it decreasing? Are there any problems in your relationship? People are more up to talk about it when they feel they're in a comfortable and trusting environment. And so I just kept building on that, and my confidence can continued to grow in my expertise of talking about it because that's one thing I find. If you ask the questions and put it out there, you give this permission that it's an all right topic to talk about. Mm. And I think everyone does need permission. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Here is this part of our lives, part of our bodies that we are hardwired for, absolutely mm-hmm. hardwired. And yet we're divorced in a way from our own bodies, from our own Mm -hmm. sexuality. So, Christy, when you are working with someone who is struggling with any aspect of their sexuality, what's the first thing that you do to help people get comfortable and open up this area? I typically start by telling someone, you are not going to tell me anything I've not heard before. You're not going to tell me anything that's going to shock me or make me judge you. This is what I do all day, every day, and I absolutely love my job. And what you say to me is going to stay with me. And we've got, you know, the ability to give you permission to talk about anything that you want to. And then I ask a question. 
if you were feeling the most comfortable with your sexual self in your relationship, what would it be like? What would it feel like? What comes to mind for you? And so I, I meet the person with where they're at. They may say, I just want to be more comfortable, or I don't want to be as anxious about it, or I don't want to feel you know, like it's such a chore. And I say, well, wow, wouldn't that be amazing? How would that affect the rest of your relationship if it didn't feel that way? And so we kind of talk about this visualization that the person is wanting to achieve, and that's how we can start working on it, by going in the direction that the, the person is seeing and wanting to reach. Hmm. That sounds so helpful because I certainly have encountered in my work with couples and all the mm-hmm. seminar training that I do that this is still a very difficult area, and I think it's so much a part of our culture. So let's get into this whole area now. It's already tough to talk about it. How much more difficult is it for people to talk about their sexual fantasies? It's very difficult because what I find is people are fearful of hurting their partner's feelings. Or what if they say something that their partner or the person that they're with is going to take it the wrong way or that they're being um, critical of them and or they're going to be judged by them. It's so much fear-based. And most of the times what we find is our fears really don't always come true. Hmm. So tell us a little bit about your experience with somebody starting to open up about fantasies. How does the other partner typically respond? Well, it depends on the fantasy. Now, when I tell people that we're going to start talking about the fantasy or to kind of give that permission, we have to talk about trust because we can't jump right into it. So assessing the person's trust level with their partner and asking each of them, how are you feeling in a trusting manner right now? Um, Are we looking at this from an emotional place or a logical place? Are the two of you ready to start talking about this very difficult topic and if you start feeling uncomfortable or if something doesn't feel right you've got permission to speak up and say so really guiding the person that's sharing that fantasy and giving a lot of encouragement as well as kind of watching their partner to see how they're responding and if i see someone now christy i've got to ask the basic question here why is it important to talk about fantasies what's the value in people sharing their fantasies Mm -hmm. with their partner That's a great question, Dr. Brenda, because when you're able to share your fantasy, you are showing a very, very, very vast amount of vulnerability. If you can share that deep sexual fantasy secret, you are the utmost space of vulnerability. And if you're vulnerable, then you're trusting. And if you're trusting, you're getting intimately close with the person. So that fantasy that's so difficult to share is also a sign of the vulnerability. And what a so great you, way to build trust. Saying, yeah, so you're saying that by sharing the fantasy, you can become closer to your partner, feel more vulnerable, maybe take down an invisible wall that's there between partners? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely, because we're thinking it anyway, and our partner is probably having their own fantasies as well. So we know it's there. We know we think about it. So why not share on that deep level and show that vulnerability? And do it in an appropriate way, not doing it in a punishment way or a passive-aggressive way or an unhealthy way. Okay. So it's got to be done in a healthy way. It's got to be done in a trusting way. The intention and the purpose of it is to build more closeness, vulnerability, and intimacy. Okay, everybody, those are the ground rules. Now, what are the most 
common sexual fantasies that you've encountered? The most common one between, let's just say, men and women working with men and women, the most common one is the idea of inviting someone else into the bedroom, whether it's a threesome or multiple people, or having someone in the bedroom to watch or to be there visible. visible. That's probably the most common for both male and female that I've seen in, in the past 10 years. Um, so that is one. And another very common one that I see, especially with a lot of women, is that um, desire to be dominated in some type of way or to be able to give up that power and control to someone else and to be desired by someone else in that way. So those are two very common ones. So for women, it's the romantic kind of, uh, is it a Prince Charming kind of fantasy or is it more we're talking about S&M here? Well, definitely women desire that romantic visualization of can, can do the visual of the scenery and is Prince Charming riding up on his horse to rescue, you know, the damsel in distress or is it a very romantic beach where it's a deserted place where there's candles and and um, and comfy beach towels and, and there's the privacy. Women tend to visualize and want more of that romance. Uh, when it comes to their fantasies than men. I do not encounter, I don't know of one man that I've, actually maybe one in, one or two in 10 years that really focus on the romantic end of it. That's definitely more of a, a woman's perspective from, from my but experience. Now, what is behind the fantasy? What's behind someone wanting, I can completely understand why a woman mm-hmm. would want the more romantic sexual fantasy. That sounds like a desire for more, maybe foreplay, a desire Mm -hmm. for just that kind of, uh, you know, romance is a Mm turn-on. You know, I can get that, you know, speak it as a woman. All right, now, what about the the threesome? What's behind that? It's taboo. That's what we're not supposed to do. And I say that because we're supposed to be in a relationship with one person, and especially in a sexual relationship with one person. And if you bring another person in, it is, it's very much out there, and it's very taboo. And that is very much a turn-on, especially to men, that's something different. It's, um, it's risky. Um, there's more than one person involved, which, you know, more is always better for a lot of men when they think of things. And it's that that whole concept is this is exactly what you're not supposed to do. It's supposed to be one, two people together, not more than two people. So that and this, the, the potential that if it is a man and, and two women having a threesome, well, what if the two women, you know, start getting involved? And that's a fantasy for a lot of men to see that, witness it, or experience it. So there's like several different turn-ons that are layered in there for majority of men. So when... Is it safe, in your opinion, for couples to act out their fantasies? Because I know mm-hmm. uh, you also talked about, in, in addition to threesomes, you have the domination-submissive role, you have mm-hmm. outdoor sex. There are a number of other things that, when I was looking at your notes, you said these are common. So when, when and how is it safe for people to act out their fantasies? It's safe when the trust is the priority. If a couple uses sexual fantasy to help fix a relationship or to improve things, it can have a negative effect and it can backfire if it's based on trying to fix. 
to act out a sexual fantasy, you have to have trust firing on all cylinders, and you've got to be connected on all cylinders. Because if you don't, it leaves room for people to get their feelings hurt, um, things to not go as they're planned. And with and that's why you know working with couples is they can't just jump into it and, and go act on a fantasy without stopping and thinking, okay, what's the worst thing that could happen? Um, what if this backfires? How is this going to affect it? How are we going to work through it if it happens? So that we're talking about uh, some of the like the plan Bs to those, so that they're being more preventative when possible. Okay, so say you have a couple that comes in and their fantasy is outdoor sex. What should they do? I would ask them, okay, what type of outdoor sex? Where are you thinking? Are you both in agreement with that? Can y'all collaborate to decide where that's going to be at? Is it risky? Is it illegal? How are you setting yourself up so you can be carefree and enjoy it without worrying about um, getting caught by someone and, and doing it in a way that both people are wanting? And that's the difficult, tricky thing, as you know, working with couples is are both people on board for this or is one just doing it for the other person 100% because that can be a problem too. So how do you know if both people are really on board, if they're mm-hmm. really firing trust in all cylinders? Mm-hmm. How do you assess that so that the couple stay safe? Mm-hmm. By asking them to speak up for what they like and what they don't like and really putting it back in their control and in their hands. If you're saying, yes, I'm good to go forward with this, you're saying, yes, I'm giving my permission that I want to move forward with this. And if you're saying it just because you want to please the other person and you're really not into it, it'll come out in some other way. So really helping them see that there's so much validity behind their yes or no, that that's what we're really going on is their word. And, and they've got the ability to change their mind at any time if they feel uncomfortable. Now, have so you really ever seen this backfire, Christy, where a couple says, hey, we want to act out a fantasy Maybe it's a threesome or mm-hmm. outdoor sex or whatever it is. Has it ever backfired? Absolutely. I, people a lot of times will end up in my office after they've um, either either tried threesomes or any type of swinging or opening their relationship up because the relationship wasn't going well, and they they were already having issues with trust, but they used it as a way to fix it, and it just didn't fix it. It makes it worse. Um, and if someone gets their feelings hurt or someone's not feeling validated enough about their role in the relationship, so it absolutely can backfire if people aren't careful. That's why it's so tricky. That, that's why it's so difficult to talk about those things, which adds to that beginning question is, you know, why is it so hard for us to talk about fantasies? There's a lot of those what-ifs and worst-case scenarios that can come up. Yeah, and most people also, if they haven't done some work, I think there's still a lot of sexual shame mm-hmm. that people have about sexuality, period, never mind a fantasy mm-hmm. that might be racy or risque. Mm-hmm. So how do you work with sexual shame? Because I know that is something I've encountered with so many people, that they had some experience mm-hmm. in childhood or somebody like my Sunday school teacher said to mm-hmm. them, you know, your naked body is a sin or something like that. Mm-hmm. One thing that's really helpful definitely in assessing is looking at the uses of, let's just say, sex and asking someone, okay, how do you, why do you think sex is used? Is it just a playful activity? Is it used for childbearing? Is it used for physical tension release? Is it a form of togetherness? And kind of assess where they're at. And then also assess for any type, like you said, any trauma that's going on, and they may need some more 
uh, more extensive work in the trauma area to work through that shame. Uh, a lot of different techniques can be used, but it's really just assessing where they're at and figuring out how much of it's shame and then if there's any guilt behind it also and separating out that shame and guilt and helping them see that, you know, I'm not the problem. I'm not completely flawed in my sexuality. Maybe I have a problem and I make mistakes, but I'm not a flawed individual when it comes to sexuality or sexual self. So that's a place for people to start mm-hmm. is to really take a look and do an assessment. How do I feel about my sexuality? Mm-hmm. If there is shame, to do some work on it. You know, anything mm-hmm. that we want, and I, I just have to say this. I know you're on this page with me. Anything <laughs> we want to be good at, anything that we want to really have flourish in our lives requires attention. It mm-hmm. requires training. And God knows nobody gets any training in really having a healthy, full sex life. Yes mm-hmm. or yes? <laughs> Absolutely. Could you imagine, Dr. Brenda, if when we hit about 15, 16, we got this instruction manual of how to have relationships, how to have a healthy couple, how to have enjoyable sex throughout our life? Our life would be totally different, right? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I've been saying that for a long, long time because (laughs) there's a lot of science now that says if we just get some training and education Mm -hmm. in all these areas that are so important instead of ignoring sexuality or pretending you know it's not something you could or should talk about we just get that out in the open a little bit more and talk about it so now christy tell us about this book you said the name of the book is fix yourself first 52 tips to stop ruining your relationship how did you come to write that book what's that all about well, I tell you, it's interesting. I actually changed the books out too, because I actually changed it to 25 tips because I found 52 tips to be very overwhelming. <laughs> so that idea of fixing yourself first is uh, both with working with clients and personally, you know, I realize that I can't change another person and anyone I'm in a relationship with, they're going to do what they want to anyway. So I've got to really focus on me and make sure I'm healthy. So The goal is to focus on what you need to fix about yourself that's negatively affecting that relationship. And these tips help pinpoint what the specific issue is. Like in one of them, as you brought up, was just learning about your sexual self. And then there's the try this instead. So there's the tip, and then there's the this is the activity you do to actually fix it. So the goal is for you to do everything you can do to get yourself healthy so that the relationship changes. And if it doesn't, then you may have to take a look at that relationship from a different set of eyes and may have to make some major decisions because you're in a healthier place. So what are some of the things people need to change about themselves? And what is it when you say fix yourself? What are people working on here? Mm -hmm. Well, one thing they're working on is to stop the negative self-talk because the negative self-talk hurts more than just us as a person. It hurts our partner, and it makes us very unattractive and not fun to be around. So that personal, you know, that self-talk. And also the realization that there's differences in libido, so accepting wherever your libido and desire is at. Are you doing what you need to do to work on it? Are you okay with where it's at? Um, How do you feel about it versus how your partner feels about it? And uh, the other thing that's really important to be worked on is to realize that you're never going to be loved exactly how you want to be, and and that's a, a big topic. And I'm sure you, you know, working with people, you see it all the time, is that people want to be loved a, a certain way in a really specific way, and they keep waiting and waiting, and it's just not going to happen that way. 
Um, and it can, you know, really bring people to have some unrealistic expectations in their relationships, and that really messes things up. Yes. So the key here is to go into knowing who you are, assessing whether there's something you can do to improve mm-hmm. your sexual experience, mm-hmm. and to work on, you know, it's really not up to somebody else to make you happy and to meet all of your needs. A lot of this is an inside job. Absolutely. You're exactly right. And what that's just great freedom, if you think about it. So that means that I have control over my future the best that I can control and how I, I end up in relationships or out of relationships or friendships. It's, it's a very freeing to realize that you only got to control yourself and work on you. All right, everybody. We want you to free yourself. Our guest tonight is Christy Overstreet. We're exploring sexual fantasies. Her book is Fix Yourself First, 25 Tips to Stop Ruining Your Relationship. It's a must-read. You know, I am really, really, really every week asking you to build your library. And you need books in your library about your sexuality. Check out her website at www.christyoverstreet.com. If you are listening to the podcast before August 27th and you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, come to the Modern Love Boot Camp. We will have an intimacy coach who will be there with us, helping you to get comfortable with your sexuality. And we're going to have a workout coach who's going to help you get fit for love and so much more. It's an all-day event at our wonderful Modern Love Training Center in San Francisco. Go to Eventbrite or just shoot me an email at love at docwade.com. That's love at docwade.com so you can join us. And you can hit me back on Facebook or Twitter. There's information there also. All right, everyone, thank you so much for joining us and Keep dreaming of that wonderful love life that you deserve and do the work to make a reality. Thanks to our producer, Mr. LeGrand Green, our associate producer, Mr. Cliff Dunning. Blessings, modern lovers. Until next week. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.